Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Australia India Institute's Chats Over Chai podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people who have been the custodians of this land on which I meet today for thousands of years and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. As we celebrate India's 76th Independence Day on this day, the 15th of August, it is my utmost pleasure to welcome to our podcast series, India's High Commissioner to Australia, His Excellency Manpreet Vora. Welcome, High Commissioner. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lisa. Uh, and, and a very happy uh, Independence Day to you and all your viewers and listeners. And welcome and happy Independence Day to you. Today, we're going to unpack India's journey since independence and how its relationship with Australia has evolved since that time and the incredible future for India and its people. High Commissioner Vora's remarkable journey as India's High Commissioner to Australia has left an indelible mark on the bilateral relationship. Appointed to the role in April 2021, Ambassador Vora's role in Canberra has been at a crucial time as the world grappled with the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. His dedication working alongside the Australian government to restore two-way mobility, advocating for the return of Indian students to Australia and reinforcing the strong educational bond between our nations has been a whole a hallmark, just to name a few. But today, the Australia-India relationship, I think I would be correct in saying, is the strong, strongest it has ever been and that is thanks to the enduring efforts of key individuals, one of whom is here with me today, and that is High Commissioner Vora. So it's fantastic to be here with you, High Commissioner. First, I just wanted to ask you though, when you first arrived here in Australia in 2021 to begin your posting, what were your initial thoughts of the country, particularly Canberra, which you've called home since that time, the, you know, and over the past few years since you've been here? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, um, when I joined the Foreign Service way back in 1988, um, for, a, for at that period and for considerably longer after that as well, uh, Canberra was, uh, uh, was generally talked about by those who had uh, been here or lived here or served here as, uh, you know, this very sleepy outpost and, uh, you know, somewhat of a back of beyond location and you know uh, not very exciting etc etc uh, so i recall actually over the over the years every time a posting cycle would come up uh, i would look at a, at a at a vacancy in canberra and i would sort of really pass it by uh, but i am aware uh, later on um, and let's say over the last uh, uh, 10 years particularly that uh, there's been this upsurge in interest in uh, Australia and a huge, huge leap in our bilateral relationship for a variety of reasons which we can talk about. Uh, but along with that were people who had, uh, you know, then traveled more frequently and more recently to Australia and, uh, and, the, and the stories about Canberra became uh, better and it looked like a better place. So when I was actually posted here, uh, uh, I had the at the hindsight of uh, knowing uh, the journey that Canberra as a city is already traversed to becoming now uh, what people say is, uh, you know, reasonably nice. Uh, and so it was, uh, you know, exciting for me to come, not just to a place that promised to be 
you know, fine uh, and good ultimately, uh, but also the relationship. And it's been wonderful ever since. I must say I've grown to love Canberra. I've uh, really loved and enjoyed my role here. Thank you. Oh, thank you, High Commissioner. I, I, you have come at a crucial time for sure, but also to survive Canberra during, uh, you know, a, a pandemic is is another, you know, huge feat, but I'm sure the kangaroos have kept you interested. Um, look, let's talk about um, this remarkable journey that India has been a part of since 1947, since independence. Um, you know, as someone who grew up during the Cold War period, studied in India and then abroad, you have witnessed India's economic liberalisation, obviously in the early 1990s, and then you joined the Foreign Service. How would you describe and sort of characterise India's journey during the second half of the 20th century? Well, it's been uh, uh, remarkable. Uh, I think that's... Uh, that's one adjective uh, that will come very easily to mind and for good reason. It's been remarkable. It's been remarkable uh, not just because uh, we've uh, done well, uh, but also because there was a long period that we didn't do so well and we were able to, uh, you know, pull up our sleeves, uh, pull ourselves and our systems and launch into reforms that did then lift hundreds of millions out of poverty within a matter of uh, a short period of time. That is where we are today. And uh, that's what makes it so remarkable. I actually joined the service uh, a few years before we uh, started the 1991 uh, reform measures. Um, and uh, my, my initial time was spent in Hong Kong and then in China. And uh, so uh, uh, my generation, we were also witness uh, firsthand uh, to a comparison uh, that could be made between a similarly sized and populated country such as China and India, where we were, both of us, each of us, in 1947 and 1949, when uh, the modern republics were created. Um, uh, uh, and where then, uh, by the time uh, I reached China, uh, for the first time in the early 90s, uh, you know, it was transformational uh, to see uh, what could be achieved uh, by a country that otherwise, uh, you know, till a few years earlier than that, uh, was perhaps um, uh, even behind India in, 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 in some sectors, etc. So, so there was also that frustration to see that, hey, uh, it can be done, but yet India has not managed to do it. And, you know, it had been about 45 years or so since independence by then. Um, uh, and then to see from the 90s onwards, uh, you know, that, hey, uh, you know, uh, there's another story that's emerging, uh, and that is India, and that India too can do well. India too can uh, raise its growth rates. India too can, can develop uh, multiple sectors of the economy. Uh, and uh, that's been, of course, demonstrated uh, over and over again over a sustained period now, which is why India is where it is today. Uh, you know, from what we were in 1947, a desperately poor, a desperately underdeveloped country uh, to uh, what is today uh, a three and a half trillion dollar economy amongst the largest in the world and the fastest growing in the world. Yes, it has been absolutely remarkable. Uh, you chose the right adjective there. I think um, it has been socially and economically just incredible to see that journey and I think that takes us really to talk about modern India, 
now, today. And as you say, India is the world's fifth largest economy. It's a major regional power in the Indo-Pacific region as well. So how do you see the future for India playing out in terms of, you know, perhaps the next 10 or so years shaping out, you know, regional peace and prosperity in our region? Of course, that's something Australia partners with India on. Well, I think uh, our economy and economic growth uh, is definitely well into the takeoff stage. Uh, so more sustained high growth rates for a considerable period of time to come, also estimated similarly by you know independent analysts and institutions, the World Bank, the IMF, others. Uh, so we should be uh, well on our way to becoming a $5 trillion economy by 2030, which is an internal target that we have set for ourselves. Uh, uh, and uh, that sort of growth rate will mean that uh, the Indian economy uh, our integration with the world economy, our integration into supply chains, all of that will only grow. Uh, and therefore, there's uh, that opportunity of India's growth and being a partner uh, in India's growth and with India and Indian companies is an opportunity that is there for uh, lots of partners, lots of countries, and particularly a good close friend like Australia with whom there's so much happening and there's so much potential because of the complementarities that we have. So if we pick apart some of that growth story or growth trajectory, High Commissioner, just picking up on what you've mentioned there about, you know, the, 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 the importance of supply chains, for example. Uh, I want to talk to you about the importance of innovation as part of that. Obviously, Australia and India are becoming major tech partners across a whole range of areas, including in renewable uh, technologies and critical and emerging technologies. What opportunities do you think we can anticipate in the coming years, particularly in the Australia-India relationship, in terms of that innovation, in terms of technology, perhaps in the short term, but also longer term for, for, the, for the region? Well, innovation is the future uh, for everything. Uh, it always has been, it always will be. Uh, so, you know, uh, what I'm saying, I'm just stating the obvious, or, or, you know, but the, I think the acknowledgement and the realization that you need to foster innovation now because uh, you need faster solutions to uh, traditional challenges as well as uh, emerging challenges, that realization has grown. And so innovation is something that uh, we are also, uh, as governments, Australia and India, are focusing on innovation. We have joint projects uh, to foster innovation, uh, fund innovation. Uh, we have hackathons and uh, you know, innovation challenges, mission mode, we are working on, on some of those. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that's because each of the technologies that these innovations can feed into be they clean energy technologies, be they high efficiency photovoltaic cells, be they uh, easier, safer, cheaper uh, batteries for large scale grid storage as well as for e-mobility. Uh, you know, these are all value chains that uh, India very much wishes to create, not just for itself, but also for its friends and partners and region and the world. And um, the complementarities that I mentioned earlier between Australia and India, 
resources, technologies, finances, manpower, market size, demand, innovation centers, they lend themselves so well, each one of these, that there could be multiple partnerships and enduring value chains that India and Australia together and our companies together can create. And innovation will be a key part of that. So much opportunity for both of our two countries there, by Commissioner. But whilst innovation clearly will be key for, for both of our nations, as you've outlined, it is actually still education that's you know, seems to be described as the real flagship sector uh, in our bilateral relationship and something uh, we work a lot on at the Australia-India Institute as well for, you know, on behalf of our Australian government. So when we look at changes in India's education policy, we've seen now universities really engaging in India from Australia. We've got, for example, the University of Melbourne. It's providing blended undergraduate science degrees, partnering with five universities in India. We've now got the University of Wollongong and Deakin University establishing campuses in India. And then when Prime Minister Albanese hosted Prime Minister Modi in Sydney, they agreed on a mobility deal that would support the flow of more students and researchers and skilled people. So how would you rate the Australia-India education partnership today? And does it sort of meet the goals of India's uh, uh, national education policy objectives? Thank you, Lisa. Just to uh, complete or add to your list, uh, we also have a very recent uh, uh, agreed framework on mutual recognition of educational qualifications. And we also have the renaming last year of the Australia-India Education Council as the India uh, Australia-India Education and Skills Council. Yes, uh, I'm looking forward yes. to, to going to that meeting. That's right. Yeah, and so you know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a very wide canvas that India and Australia are operating uh, on today in the educational space. It's not just Indian students coming to Australia. It's not just uh, 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 joint degrees and joint research projects. Uh, it's beyond that. It's trying to assist also with skills. It's trying to assist with mobility um, between the two countries, recognition of uh, qualifications, making sure that there are common standards uh, which will then allow uh, the mobility of students and professionals that much more easily. So we're doing all of that. Uh, it, uh, it, uh, it really blends into our new education policy because these are the directions in which we wish to take them. Uh, Australian universities have become first movers uh, to take advantage of the new policy. And uh, the two uh, campuses, uh, Wollongong and Deakin Universities that you mentioned, will not just be the first two Australian campuses in India, they'll be the first two campuses of any foreign university in India. You know, so that uh, that uh, now uh, different model of operating that universities are considering and deciding upon already uh, opens a whole new uh, vista of ways and means by which you can provide uh, Australian education to Indian students and vice versa. Uh, and and that, that, that can democratize it, that can make it more affordable. Uh, that can um, uh, lead to uh, much more enduring mobility partnerships that emerge from it. Uh, so there's a lot that's happening um, uh, in the educational space between India and uh, Australia, and I dare say much more is possible. 
And I, I have to say, High Commissioner, um, in terms of all of that, I love the people-to-people -people links that develop out of our education partnership and seeing some of our Indian researchers here at the moment under a program uh, that we've been running, a fellowships program. The first time they've been to Australia and so excited to, to meet Australians and, and be a part of this experience here and vice versa for our Australian researchers going to India as well. Look, I did want to ask you a little bit about the G20 because it's an incredible year for India being uh, having the presidency of the G20 and there has been so much activity uh, around the G20, so many obviously other parts of the G20, the, the B20 coming up uh, at the end of this month as well. And of course, the, the pivotal moment being when India will host the G20 Leaders Summit in September and our Prime Minister Albanese will again, uh, two times in one year, visit India. So that responsibility, obviously, that is on India to invite world leaders that are a part of the G20 clearly also represents sort of unique challenges when we look at the current ongoing Russia-Ukraine war, for example. Understanding India's position on, on this particular conflict, how do you see India sort of balancing that task of its, its invitation or, you know, considering Mr Putin's absence from the previous G20 summit, how do you see or think India can stave off a potential diplomatic situation de determining whether or not uh, uh, Russian pr President Vladimir Putin attends or not? Well, uh, I wouldn't uh, anticipate that. Uh, G20 uh, is a very, very important grouping. Their um, annual leaders' summits are uh, hugely important, not just for the countries themselves, but for uh, all, all the regions that they represent and the globe as a whole. So these are very important uh, mechanisms, very important meetings, and we are looking forward to convening the annual leaders' summit on the 9th and 10th of September in New Delhi. Uh, all We have very good relations with all G20 members and other invited guests. Uh, they are all invited. We would expect them all to attend, and everything can be discussed and talked about on the table. I think one of the issues for Australia and India in that space, of course, is, is creating a peaceful and stable Indo-Pacific region. And of course, a major focus for Australia is, is the security of our Pacific Island neighbours and, and for India, of course, the security of, of the Indian Ocean. How do you see, uh, High Commissioner, both nations, you know, partnering on, on development and security issues in both of these oceans, which obviously makes up the entire Indo-Pacific region? For example, I noticed that Prime Minister Modi's recent visit to Australia, he visited Papua New Guinea first and for the first time, I understand, and made a considerable commitment to support Pacific Island countries. So I'm interested to know how you see our two nations working closer together to provide support for small island states, particularly on the, the areas that are vulnerable to them, the challenges they face, including climate change and resource management and that sort of geopolitical competition in our region? Well, thank you. Uh, the uh, Indo-Pacific space uh, is a very large space for both countries, Australia and India. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a critical area for resources, for freedom of the seas, um, uh, uh, and for conducting all manner of peaceful activities. Our interests uh, extend from the shores of Africa 
uh, all the way to the Pacific Ocean, uh, to the western shores uh, of the American continent. That's the Indo-Pacific that we talk about. Uh, for Australia too, uh, you know, it uh, the two oceans overlap, and the Indo-Pacific uh, is now uh, so much uh, well understood as this uh, uh, this space, a very very important space, uh, particularly of. Uh, those countries that are part of these uh, initiatives, uh, such as India, Australia, USA, and Japan. Uh, you know, we are trying to, uh, to ensure that uh, this particular space uh, remains free and open, uh, and it remains uh, uh, passages of connectivity, passages of prosperity, rather than of rivalry. And it's important to guard those and uh, we uh, and Australia and along with other friends and partners wish to do that. The Pacific Islands are very close friends for us. They are very close friends for, for Australia. Uh, there are shared histories. There are shared uh, uh, demographies. Uh, there are shared destinies because of uh, geography and, uh, and history. And we've, uh, we've uh, engaged with them uh, Periodically, the last one which you referred to was in uh, Papua New Guinea just a couple of months ago. Uh, and uh, all that, I think, uh, uh, augurs very well for global good uh, in the global commons of the Indo-Pacific region that both India and Australia, along with so many of our other friends in the Pacific Islands, uh, in other parts of the Indo-Pacific space, we can do together. Yes, it's wonderful. I, I, I saw, High Commissioner, that India also um, was chose Fiji to have the World Hindi Conference um, recently, and I think that was another another great connection in terms of those shared destinies that India has with with the Pacific Islands. Um, I did want to say I think it's th that idea of the the, the global uh, commons and, and 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 public goods is is great to also see in the theme for India that is chosen for the G20. Um, one Earth, One World, One Family, I think is correct, uh, which, is, which is wonderful. Um, look, on more sort of hard power issues, High Commissioner, I did want to ask you about our defence partnership with India. You know, clearly both nations have really elevated our defence relationship and I know that uh, currently we have two... Indian naval ships in Sydney Harbour and, you know, it's it's wonderful to see that. And India will also, of course, feature, has now featured in uh, Australia's Defence Strategic Review, importantly. So considering that elevation of our, of our uh, security relationship, our defence relationship um, and the changing dynamics and challenges in our region, what do you see as the sort of biggest strategic opportunities for both countries in shaping the region for years to come? Well, I think uh, we uh, we need to um, team up. We already are teaming up, but we need to do more. <clears throat> India and Australia together, and India and Australia along with other like-minded partners and countries and organizations, uh, we can do uh, so much uh, together in this particular uh, region. Uh, we've uh, uh, we've got uh, uh, other opportunities uh, to do it in, uh, in 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 several other ways, certainly. Uh, the uh, the security space is somewhere something where we see uh, eye to eye on. We see value in 
in training together, in doing exercises together. We see value in in uh, having this interoperability. Uh, you know, it's a win-win uh, for both of us, and uh, and 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 that is something uh, that uh, that will continue because there's a great degree of comfort level, and there's a lot that there's a lot of synergy from from these exercises, etc., that militaries do together. We do it with a number of partners all across the world, not just over here. Uh, but this is of obviously a particular salience being since we are both part of the Indo-Pacific region. Um, so there's a, there's a, traditionally many exercises that we do bilaterally and in multilateral formats. Um, the uh, Malabar uh, next edition is uh, starting, which is also a multilateral format. Uh, we exercise with, uh, in other formats with uh, other navies uh, uh, over here. Uh, we have uh, uh, also exchanged uh, uh, Air Force uh, personnel, we've exchanged uh, Army personnel, people come for uh, staff and command courses. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of uh, synergy uh, uh, between India and Australia uh, in, the, in the defense cooperation space. We also feel that uh, uh, our defense industry capability is something that Australia could look at as it is also uh, preparing uh, for the future and acquiring newer assets, etc. That India could be a great partner to look at for that as well. You raised some really important um, points there, High Commissioner, about the future of our relationship in the defence space. And we have a defence program at the Australia India Institute, and we've had some Indian scholars, Australian scholars talking exactly on some of those opportunities that both of our nations can build upon in terms of capacity. And um, I think it's very exciting uh, when we know we have this shared interest for peace and prosperity in our region. Hi, Commissioner. Uh, it's been a, a wonderful conversation to have with you on this special day of India's Independence Day to hear your insights on India's journey since independence, particularly looking at how far India has come, its economic prowess today, uh, the importance of innovation, of education, and of course our security relationship and those shared interests that we, we both have for our Indo-Pacific region. I think the future uh, as we mark this special day for India is, is very bright and Australia is rightly placed to play an important role in partnering with India as, as we go forward. So thank you so much and happy Independence Day. Thank you, Lisa, and happy Independence Day uh, to you, uh, to all Indians and all friends of India here in Australia. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Chats Over Chai. Stay up to date with the Institute by subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lisa Singh, uh, signing off until our next episode. Thank you.